The Disability Report with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this month's edition of The Disability Report. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting as usual with Ari Searles, National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa, who own Rolling Inspiration magazine. And he'll be talking about driving ambitions, which has recently opened in KZN, issues of discrimination from the airlines and the quadriplegic, paraplegic and mouth painters art exhibition. Gavin Maggot, Recruitment Manager at the Disability Workshop Development Enterprise, will be on the line and he'll be chatting with us about the private sector stepping up on disability employment. That's really good news. Eugene Forster, CEO of the South African Disabled Golf Association, will be joining us this evening and we'll be finding out what they do, how you can join and about their first swing program. And we'll also be finding out about the Nedbank SA Disabled Golf Open. And then we'll be talking about Shumba Shaba, and that's a not-for-profit community organization that focuses on how horses can positively impact people and help to change lives for the better. And here I'll be speaking with Renee Erasmus, the Shumba Shaba coach, who's training and accompanying two of their members to the 2015 Special Olympics World Summer Games in Los Angeles in July. And then just a reminder, if you need any information about something you hear on the show this evening, take a look at the Facebook page Disability on SAFM, or you can email me directly on disability at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. The Disability Report with Karen Key. As usual, we start the show chatting with Ari Searles. He's the National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa. And this month, he'll be talking about driving ambitions, which recently opened in KZN, issues of discrimination from the airlines, and the quadriplegic, paraplegic, and mouth painters art exhibition. Ari, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hello, Ari. How are you? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello, Ari. I think maybe we can try and get him on a better line. This is, line is not doing terribly well. Ari, can you hear me? No, he can't. So maybe if I'll ask my sound engineer just to try and call him back and uh, possibly try and get him on a clearer line. And as I mentioned, we were going to be speaking about driving ambitions, which recently opened in KZN. Ari mentioned it a little bit last month on the show, and it's one of those amazing organizations. It's linked to the Quad Para Association, and they do all these sort of driving. They have specially adapted cars. And then they help you to do your driving test. And I think that's possibly the worst part is when you have to go to the driving school that will to the to go and get your license. And uh, I know I'm still remember that it was many, many years ago when I went to get my license. I didn't have to get a specially adapted car, but just to get the driving license anyway. It's always a bit of a nightmare. I don't know. There's traffic officers that do it very well trained. And uh, but I see you always get there and you're in such a panic. You're so nervous um, just to go there and get your license. And I'm sure it must be just as bad for people having to do it with their specially adapted cars, especially I think a lot of the time when the traffic departments aren't that used to you arriving with a car that they don't see every day. And so I think possibly it's going to take a little bit of time to um, to get everybody up to speed and on the right page as far as that's concerned. I think we might have Ari on the line now. Let's see. Hopefully we've got a better line. Ari, can you hear me now? Yes, good evening, Oh, Colin. there you are. Hello there. Well, we were going to be chatting this evening. I've just been talking about the driving ambitions, which has recently opened in KZN. How's it going? Yes, thank you very much for the opportunity. We've moved a a vehicle down to uh, Durban now. Um, I think my line's gone again, Corinne. No, I can, can you hear still, me I, can clearly? St- I can still hear you. I can hear you. It's just making lots of whooshy sort of under-the-water noises. 
Okay, I'm not getting a, a signal from you. Okay, well, just keep talking, Ari. I can hear you. Are you there? Yes, I am here. Apologies if this is not coming through well. Would you like to try me on my mobile? I think maybe we'll try, give. Well, obviously, we, oh, you know, it's one of those things. We'll, we'll call him back. Yes, we'll call him back on his, on his mobile now. It's one of those things. Every time I set up interviews, I always ask people for a landline and a cell phone as backup because in the other back in the day, if you just had a cell phone number, you could almost be guaranteed either the call was going to drop or it wasn't going to work, and there was always a problem. Lately. More people often than not just give me a cell phone number because they say their landline is possibly worse than their cell phone ever was. And, uh, well, this is a classic case. We just noticed that now. Poor Ari trying to chat with us on his landline, which really isn't working this evening. So we're trying to get hold of him now on his cell phone. And uh, hopefully we'll have a clearer line. But we still don't have any luck actually getting him. I think we've just got him on his cell phone now. So if you'll hold on for just a second, I'll be able to chat with him. Ari, are you with me now? Okay, how's my reception oh, now? That's great. I was just explaining to people how back in the day cell phones were a nightmare, but now the landline seems to be becoming the what was the cell phone in the, in the past. So well, let's, let's uh, talk about KZN and driving ambitions. Yes, first of all, Corin, if you would indulge me, mm. you know, this load shedding. Oh my um, goodness, it's a, yes. It's a real curse of, for, for society, but especially for people with disabilities that depend absolutely on power, you know, to drive, whether it be CPAP machines or powering power wheelchairs and you know right now we're in a load shedding um, uh, time period so um, let's spare a thought for everyone with a disability yes. that really depends on power in this country Gosh. okay right well, bad news that. Um, yes, uh, um, yes. I hope, wish you much uh, light soon. Hopefully, it won't be too much longer before the light comes back on. But yeah, um, thank you. But back to driving ambitions. Driving ambitions to Durban. going well down there, is it? Yes, you know, we, we you know we came third in the South African Breweries Innovation Awards, which gave us some capital to purchase a vehicle and bring it to KZN. And so we're encouraging people with disabilities with mobility impairments who feel that they've got the agility to be able to drive a car to get your learner's license and make contact with Quasa, and we'd love the opportunity to teach you to drive and give you that absolute independence which will change your life. While we were waiting to get you on the line, I was telling listeners it was many, many years ago, having gone for my own driving test, and my nerves were completely finished, and I, I did pass, but I was wondering about the, about the traffic departments, how well they are geared towards having specially adapted vehicles. Are they pretty clued up? Look, that's interesting because we started our program here about two weeks ago with doing some sensitization with the local traffic department, and it was quite surprising to see how naive they were about how to test somebody, mm. especially with the K53 program, someone with a disability. So part of our initiative is also to sensitize all of the traffic departments that do testing. And so we're in that process now um, of allowing them the opportunity to understand sensitization terminology and also to be not relaxing on the abilities but to be sensitive to the way that they test people okay that should be quite interesting i'd love you to tell me how that's going because i think that's a very important point you know of it's all very well teaching people to drive a specially adapted vehicle but it's when they go for the testing you know is is the examiner going to understand as you say or you know how to deal with something like that well let's uh, let's look and see because uh, we've got it right in uh, Johannesburg and Pretoria, and so it's a uh, sort of virgin territory here mm. in the uh, Pantown Durban area. I'm sure you'll get that right. But now, Ari, I'm actually quite disturbed about the next issue. You want to talk about issues of discrimination from the airlines? 
Yes, look, at the moment, Quas is involved in, in discussions with the Legal Resource Centre, and we are gathering cases of people with disabilities who have feel their rights have been infringed by airlines, you know, enforcing them to travel with somebody. Oh, right, they, yes. The airline makes a choice that they think they can't fly independently. And then second of all, with, you know, people that, um, uh, you know, have really difficulty in explaining to the airlines their the human right to be able to book a single ticket and to travel around the country especially because internationally, you know, they don't come up with these homegrown rules and regulations. And so we at Quasa would love to hear the experiences of people with disabilities that feel they have been uh, transgressed their human rights on airlines, and we now want to give them a full go and to explain to them how they really need to interpret the civil aviation guidelines. So now the talk is gone, and now we want to walk them through the human rights issues of being able to travel in this country. And to let you know, Ari, would that be on info at quasa.coza? Yes, absolutely, as soon as possible. Um, if anybody's had an issue, uh, we want to take it up and we want to do a class action against the number of airlines that we feel now are taking the law into their own hands and misinterpreting the guidelines. So um, we're tired of all the complaints. We want to now... Um, you know, take some action and get a ruling on this. All right, so if you've had a problem in the past, please do contact Quasa. You can email them on info at Quasa. That's Q-A-S-A, info at quasa.co.za. Right, and uh, on to happier things, an, an art exhibition coming up. Yes, I think in, in advance, it's only in September this year at Gateway in Umschlange, uh, but we're looking for quadriplegics, paraplegics and mouth painters we feel that their work is good and they want to display their work to the public. We're hosting an art exhibition which has been funded by the National Lottery. Um, and uh, we want to display your work. We want to show uh, as many people in KZN uh, what your talents are like. And uh, you're welcome to contact Quasa and we'll make a place for you. Um, we're going to do lots of PR and um, we're going to encourage the corporate sector to come and look. And not only look, but um, to put their money um, uh, into some of the artworks of people with disabilities. You know, and it's a pity, I have spoken about this on the radio before, that we have to brand it you know, as artworks by people with disabilities. But I think if you took the brand away, you wouldn't notice the, different, mm. uh, the difference. And there's some tremendous talent out there. So we're using um, the Gateway Theatre of Shopping as a platform to the artworks of people with disabilities. Ari, if people around the country who aren't in KZN want to submit artworks, can they also do that? Absolutely. We've got a budget to make a selection of, of those um, people that we think um, have got good enough stuff and um, we'll bring the artwork up to Durban. And if necessary, we'll even bring the artist as well. Wow. So the artist can engage with the general public. So, you know, we're really looking forward to having a top-class art exhibition. And so if you're out there and um, you want to show off your talents, we're ready to hear from you. And that, again, is on that info at quasa.co.za. They can just submit or, or just at least get in touch with you and discuss what their painting's about and, all you know, the red tape and the bits and pieces they need to know. Um, they can just do that, just email you. That's correct. Thank you very much. Great. Ari, well, thank you. Lots of interesting things tonight. And glad we finally got to speak with you. You know, no thanks to ESCOM and uh, Telcom by the sounds of it. But finally we got through to you. And uh, we'll okay, chat with you great. again next time. Thanks so much That's for your time. Thanks
Thanks, Ari. Thank you. Good night to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ari Searles is the National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa who own Rolling Inspiration magazine. If you're wanting to get your own copy of Rolling Inspiration magazine, they're now available at pick-and-pay pharmacies as well as being sold by subscription. If you don't have a pick-and-pay pharmacy near you, you can still get your own copy by subscribing. And to do that, you need to contact them via email on risubscriptions at telcomsa.net. And you can also find them on the web on rollinginspiration.co.za. And then just to reminder, if you've ever had a problem flying, if any problems with the airlines, or if you'd like to submit some artwork for the art exhibition coming up in September, you can email Quasa on info at Quasa, Q-A-S-A, info at Quasa.co.za, or you can always call the Quad Power Association on 0860-ROLLING. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, unemployment is the root cause of poverty and inequality and can be a contributing factor to substance abuse, increased levels of crime and social exclusion. Many South Africans with disabilities desperately require an increase in job creation initiatives to overcome the unemployment problem. Disability Workshop Development Enterprise, or DWDE, presented an overview of an employment creation campaign at the Disability Employment Summit at the CTICC recently, and that succeeded in placing people with disabilities into employment. Gavin Maggot is the recruitment manager at the DWDE, and he joins me now. Gavin, good evening. Welcome back to the show. It's been quite a while since we last chatted. Yes, hello. Good evening, Corin. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. This is rather a good news. We're always looking for some good news, and this is good news. Seems to be something positive coming out of this, Gavin. Uh, yes, definitely. It, it was a slow start, but it's now picking up nicely. So, and we, we continue to uh, look for new avenues. Now, tell me what happened at, this, at the summit, um, because obviously it was quite positive outcome, which was good, but uh, what was it all about? And how... how a receptive was business, basically. Yeah, uh, okay, fine. You, we, we funded by the National Treasury, uh, the Jobs Fund, and we uh, embarked on a 2% campaign. Uh, well, yeah, that's the employment of disabled people you know, set by the government. And this was set about 15 years ago. Um, to date, it's been a very slow progress, and less than 1% of disabled people are currently employed, and we're trying to push for that uh, 2% and beyond that. The one company I was quite impressed with reading some information from the DWDE is Petro SA, I mean, because they've actually exceeded the national target. Yes, there's quite a few uh, companies who are doing very well, and there's quite a few companies that are lagging behind, and uh, we found out there's a lot of companies, we're not sure how to go about and uh, you know uh, how to approach disability? So we are actually helping them and guiding them all the all the way. So what do you do if a company is interested in employing people with disabilities? They would they come to the DWDE and would you give them some guidance? How does it work? Uh, yes, we can do. We can give them all all the guidance they need. Uh, we one of the few companies that deals with all disabilities across the board. And we also a national company, very few national organizations. So we operate in all the provinces. And, uh, yeah, we offer the full range of service. And we will assist the companies, whichever disability they want to look at or interested in. What seems to be the stumbling block when it comes to employing people with disabilities? Is it accessibility? What is it? Or is it just, in some cases, possibly ignorance? What is it, Gavin? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's awareness. You know, people are not sure how to handle 
the different disabilities uh, or how to approach the different disabilities. So it's more awareness. Uh, you know, each sector has its challenges. Uh, yeah, there's, I'm physical disabled. I'm in a wheelchair. And, you know, the, there's so many variations of people being in wheelchairs, so many different types of wheelchairs, so many different needs, and everybody is different. Was, and that's where we can help them to assess the different disabilities. I was talking to somebody the other day who deals with disability employment, and he was saying when he talks to companies, who say, oh, well, you know, we don't have ramps and we don't have this and we don't have that. And he, his sort of philosophy is, well, start off with something that you can accommodate without making too many structural changes to your business. Start off employing a person with a disability that doesn't require you to change anything structurally and just become... Um, you know, almost used to having somebody differently able to yourself within the company. And you will find that it's relatively easy to be able to accommodate people like this. And, you know, it will grow from there. But start off small if you want to. Uh, yes, uh, that is uh, that is the biggest challenge. You know, um, not everybody's in a wheelchair. It's a very small percentage mm. that are wheelchair users. Uh, you know, most people are amputees or you know, they've got polio or, you know, uh, but they are able to climb one fl- one set of steps or the, they are able to go, uh, you know, uh, use normal entrances where, where there's steps. Um, you know, they don't need require ramps. They don't need special toilets. And, uh, you know, they must stop focusing on the, on the small issues. Mm. Um, but there's also the other need is, uh, you know, to make a universal design accessible buildings. It's been, you know, nearly 20 years of democracy and there are plans for accessible buildings, but you know, nobody has really uh, taken on the accessibility and, and looking at the access. And it's important to be able to, uh, you know, enter the workplace where everything's accessible. And it's not a very expensive uh, cost involved. Now, there's some very interesting almost case studies, if you like, that came out of the summit. One of them, which I found fascinating, was the Park Inn by Radisson in Cape Town here in Newlands. Everybody knows Newlands where the rugby and the cricket stadiums are. But they've actually got an amazing program running there. Uh, Yes, that's one of the success stories uh, in in, in South Africa. Yeah, it's a show because uh, people always say, oh, we, we can't employ blind people, we can't employ deaf people. Uh, and here's a company where, uh, you know, 30% of the staff is, uh, uh, you know, has uh, hearing problems. How are they, and, what are they doing? Yeah. So t- tell people, because, I mean, you listen to this, this is a hospitality business. This yeah. is a hotel. You're getting, you know, international tourists. You're getting all sorts of people coming there. And you would think, oh, my goodness, how could they possibly do this? How do they do this? Because it's, uh, this, is, this is an amazing thing. Yes, Colin, that, that, that is the important thing. It's always you think, it, oh, it won't work. Mm. But, you know, uh, people should go around and see and see how it works. I was very impressed. You know, I would definitely go there. And, uh, you know, you know, the service is great. And that, that, that's exactly what we need in, in South Africa, uh, you know, where there's 30% of the staff. They're well-trained. You know, uh, the communication is well, you know, and the signage is, is, is very good. So, uh, you know, there, there, there won't be any problem for anybody. But, uh, you know, people shouldn't shy away or stay away from the place. But they should go and see and check it out and see it how well it's working. It's one of those really nice success stories. Yes. And how's the airport's company doing? Uh, very well. Yeah, they're uh, quite, quite a large company and they're employing lots of uh, people living with a disability. 
And as we mentioned, Petra SA is, is sort of the star here. It's, it's exceeding the national target and it's, it's yes. doing really well. And it's got lots of um, things going on there. Uh, Karen, yes. The corporates are always willing to you know, go the extra mile, always willing to work with us. Um, you know, uh, we, we therefore urge other corporates also to come and contact us and see how we can help and assist them. Because, uh, you know, we have a wide, wide range of candidates, you know, uh, from entry-level jobs all the way up to guys who've got tertiary education. And we, uh, a lot of them don't have experience and they're looking for experience people and you know that's a bit of a challenge but uh, they are employable I was looking at some slides that you that the DWDE has produced and one was on the educational attainment of disabled people versus non-disabled people and it's yep. it's quite significant the, the, the disparity in, in the educational levels and that why would that be um, that was always the the big challenge in the disability sector where people, most of the candidates never had access to uh, proper education or education to matric. The, you know, most of the schools, special schools, they only went to grade, uh, what, 10? Yeah. And most of the requirements for jobs is uh, matriculant. Yeah, so they want matric. And most of the guys, a large percentage of the guys, don't have matric especially those who were born with a disability. But uh, those who uh, became disabled after finishing the education, you know, they have a better success rate. Now, I gather, Gavin, that there's going to be a disability census sometime this year. Yes. What are we expecting to come out of that? Well, uh, they show, you know, it's, it's showing some improvement in some areas, and it's, you know, it, it, it varies, but they, they you know, the economy, jobs are on the down swing at the moment, but I'm sure I'm a positive guy. Things will get better, and we can see by the amount of people that we're employing that there is some positive aspects in uh, in the economy. Now, when and, I, sorry, yeah, carry on. Yeah, so that's why we urge you know that corporates will keep on contacting us and ask us how they can work with us and employ and train people with disabilities. Now, if people with disabilities are looking for employment, are you the organisation they should be making contact with? Uh, yes, yeah. We nationally, yeah. Um, we, ha- we have a website where you can reach us. And, uh, yeah, but we, we, we based in Cape Town, but we work in all the provinces. And as you said, you work with disabilities across the board, so it's with not one the or the other. Yes. Yeah. And they would just, what, just contact you? Would they have to submit what sort of qualifications they have or what educational level they have, and you would be able to assist? Do you do any training? Uh, yes, yeah. We, yeah, we do job readiness programs. We do awareness raising, yeah, disability awareness. Um, yeah, we do all kinds of assessments and training to make sure we get the right candidates to do the right job. And they would just have, it's dwde.co.za, they'd have yeah, a look on there, okay. all the information is there. Can I give you all the information? Yes, please. Okay, fine. Um, our website is www.dwde.co.za. Uh, the email would be info at dwde.co.za. And do you want our... Um, Fax number and office number. Well, if you just have a landline, I think people might like to call you. That that would okay, be good. Fine. The landline is 021-674-6139. Okay. 
and they can call that number and you'll be able to point them in the uh, right yes, direction. We're based in Claremont and yeah. And as you've said all the way through this, you operate throughout the country. So not to worry if yes. you think, oh my goodness, they're only working Cape Town. That's just where no, the no. office is. You we're in the Eastern Cape, in KZN. And so everywhere. So if yes. people are wanting more information, I'll give all those details out again. But Gavin, thank you very much indeed for joining me this evening and giving us all that information, very positive stuff. So thanks so much for your time. No, thank you very much, Colin. Thanks, Gavin. Good night to you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Gavin Maggot is the recruitment manager at the DWDE, or Disability Workshop Development Enterprise. For more information, you can take a look at the website. It's dwde.co.za or email them on info at dwde.co.za, or you can call the office. It's in Cape Town. It's 021-674-6139. The Disability Report with Karen Key. The South African Disabled Golf Association was incorporated as a Section 21 company in July 2004. And in just 11 short years, it certainly made great strides in bringing this great sport into the lives of many disabled people. But it's more than that. But joining this community, they will help you to exercise your mind in order to sustain positive and productive thought patterns that you can use in your day-to-day life. And joining me this evening is Eugene Forster, CEO of the South African Disabled Golf Association. Eugene, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening, and thank you for having us. When I was looking through your website at all the information, I was quite amazed because I thought, oh, this is all just to do with golf. But it's a whole lot more, as I mentioned. It's not just golf. It's very true. Um, especially the, uh, the program that we've got for children at the, the uh, schools for disabled children. Uh, golf is actually just a tool. It's, it's, it's not the, the end result. We use golf uh, as a method of rehabilitation and uh, to, as a matter of fact, just to give disabled children just a whole lot of fun. It's quite. It's actually quite remarkable the the sorts of things that you're doing there. And and just talk a little bit about how this all works. Who is eligible to join? Um, how, who qualifies to join the association? How does that all work, Eugene? We, we, our focus is on the physically disabled. Uh, mentally disabled is always a difficult one for us, especially from a classification point of view. So our focus is more on the physically disabled, um, and uh, especially as, as far as the school is concerned. Uh, we uh, go to schools that cater for disabled children, and uh, we make. We obviously uh, are led by the, the staff at the schools helping us uh, to, to, to scan the children. And, and then uh, what we do is we supply all the equipment, uh, all the manpower that we employ, and um, currently. We're at 39 schools. We do 42 sessions a week uh, where we, uh, as I say, we bring golf in a, mo- in a modified environment uh, where the focus is on participation and inclusion. I was looking at your website. It actually brought quite a tear to my eye. There was a young man. I can't remember what school he was from now, but he had excelled at a golf tournament. I think he went up to Johannesburg to play. And the, all the children in the school made a little welcome home video for him, telling him how wonderful he was and congratulating him. It was quite, it was quite heartwarming to see. Yeah, I, I think uh, you, you're referring to Rayland uh, Yes, Degree. that's right. And, uh, yes, it's, it, it's wonderful uh, <laughs> 
the, this thing called an opportunity. Um, some grasp it, some doesn't, and in, in his case, uh, he's made the most of it. And uh, uh, it's uh, you've got to love my job uh, of, of creating, with the help of, of, of so many corporates and so many individuals, of course, uh, but uh, to uh, you know to, to create these opportunities uh, for, for youngsters and for young adults, um, it, it's really wonderful and it, it's very gratifying. Now they get to play, as I mentioned. Now they get to play in tournaments. So it's not just a case of you going off to the school and teaching them once a week or something to hit a golf ball. It actually becomes much bigger than that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, go, I go back a couple of years. Uh, a youngster from uh, Van der Bale. Uh, he was 14 at the time. He was involved in an electrical shock accident. And uh, Reinhard Schuknet went on to become the world one-arm champion. Wow. Uh, which is, uh, uh, he's a one-arm golfer, and for, for the golfers out there, he plays with a five handicap, which, sure. is, which is really, really remarkable. Well, this young man I was mentioning that went off to this tournament in Johannesburg, he's also a one-arm golfer and seems That's to be correct. excelling as well. Yes, he's excelling. He still needs to build a bit of muscle in that one arm. I'm also a one arm golfer, um, and, it, and it, it takes a bit of time to, to, to uh, you know, to, to sort out your swing and uh, to get into the groove, groove of things. But uh, that's the wonderful thing about golf is is that it's uh, it, it's a lot more than just uh, brute strength and power. It's about timing and it's about balance. And uh, once you can get that right, uh, almost any disability you can hold your own. But you're also instilling in these children um, self-confidence and self-respect and the strength of character. I mean, you're building them up as people rather than just teaching them to play golf. True. You know, the the underlying values of golf, uh, integrity, uh, self-discipline, self-respect, uh, I mean, golf is the only sport that I know of that where you penalise yourself and you use the the rules to do that. Uh, but uh, that's the one thing that golf teaches you is integrity. Um, so it's wonderful to see how the the children. Uh, first of all, many of them don't even know that the sport exists. Uh, they then. Uh, get into golf and, and, and then you see how they develop as uh, as humans and as as a person um, and uh, those values uh, uh, come to the fore uh, with, with, with all the children. The thing about this though Eugene is that children like this I'm sure up until now probably never considered that they would ever be able to take part in any form of sport at all or possibly had been told you'll never be able to play any form of sport because of whatever disability you have. And now here you come along and suddenly there's a whole new world opening up to them. Yeah, it's wonderful to see that, uh, that, that amazement, because, especially because of the severity of some of the children. Uh, you know, they, they never thought that, as you say, that uh, they would ever take part in any sport, especially golf. Um, and where it's uh, especially gratifying is where you get uh, children that uh, the parents play golf. Um, a certain uh, uh, pair of twins uh, come to mind, and Paul Elizabeth, who came to me at one of the uh, clinics that we uh, we had there, and said to me, "So you, my dad is not going to believe when I go home tonight." 
and tell him that I played golf. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and that is, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, these two kids are, are really, really disabled. So it, it was a, a thought that never crossed their mind. And it's, uh, it, it, it's the same with my story. Uh, in, in the early 90s, I was involved in a motorcycle accident. And uh, before, the, before my accident, I played golf. And I never thought that I could play golf. Uh, it, it, it was necessary for me to break that barrier in my mind. And once I did that, uh, as I said, uh, the rest is history. Now, what we've been talking about, Eugenie, is this what, what you call the first swing program? This is correct, yes. Uh, the, the program for the children we call the first swing program. Amazing thing. But what I found absolutely fascinating was as part of this program, you also offer a golf career guidance program and you actually bring children in contact with various career opportunities in golf. I mean, so it's more than just now. You're sort of looking ahead to their future. True. What we do is, is we have, uh, uh, well, we focused in, in Cape Town because that's where we had the biggest footprint of, of the first swing program. Uh, so we've had a, a number of cl- uh, uh, holiday camps there. And then, uh, you know, the children would come for three, four days, uh, and uh, we would then uh, arrange excursions for them uh, to a hotel and all the related industries that uh, do business with golf and golf-related industries. We take them to the, uh, the pro shop, uh, the, the retail Industry, and I'll never forget this one child from from uh, George, who wrote in her testimonial uh, that is what she wants to do one day: is work in a uh, the back end of a retail uh, environment where they receive the goods and dispatch them, and so on and so forth. So, um, a, a completely different angle to golf, but all the same, it's it's again gratifying to see that uh, we can guide youngsters into making career decisions. I mean, you're opening up doors for them and showing them opportunities that possibly they never would have had the chance to see before. True. Um, you know, uh, all the children that, that grew up uh, in, in, in front of our eyes, uh, there's, there's a youngster from East London uh, that, uh, you know, came through the ranks uh, as a schoolboy, uh, uh, well, if, he, if he's listening, you'll know exactly who he is. Uh, f- very naughty, but uh, <laughs> full of full of life. Um, and uh, he's now studying, and uh, and that's a, a product of the first string program. And you've also got something called the rehabilitation and therapeutic modified golf. What is that? That's for the really severe disabled children. That you know, some ninety-five uh, percent of them will never be golfers. If I say golfers. Uh, Proper golfer at a golf club with a with a golf handicap. Um, they it, it, it's it, for them it's it's an indoors uh, game where, again where we modify the golf environment uh, and uh, we, we give them uh, balls to throw. Uh, you know some of them uh, can't even grip a golf club. They they cannot hold a golf club in their hand. So we give them golf balls to throw at the target. And uh, we create a golf uh, um, similar to golf uh, games for them, uh, where they can also. And, and you know what is the meaningful thing about mm-hmm. this is when the principal calls them for their session, he calls the golfers for their oh, session. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, so again, you know, it, it, it's for those 
uh, children that thought that they would uh, never be part of something here they called golfers, which is, I think, That's fantastic. That's absolutely amazing. But now, coming up quite soon, I imagine, is the Nedbank SA Disabled Golf Open. Where and when? Yes. That is uh, from the 4th to the 7th of May at the Swatkop Country Club in Centurion. And uh, it's... uh, I'm glad you mentioned Nedbank because uh, they've really helped us uh, create a world-class tournament. Uh, one of the previous winners, uh, Mick Horsley from the UK, um, and I know for a fact that he has played all over in Las Vegas and UK and uh, uh, in Europe, uh, said that uh, the Nedbank Disabled Open is the best-run disabled tu- tournament in the world. So. Uh, that's a nice feather in our cap, I think. Gosh, so how many international players are you expecting for the game? Uh, we have a little bit of a drop uh, this year. Um, I think there's three or four on the way, uh, but we've had as many as 19 uh, at one tournament. And local South Africans, how many of us are playing? Uh, I looked at the website uh, this morning, and I think we're standing on 69 entries. Wow. Um, so there's, uh, there's only a place for 11 more because we'll cap the field at 80. And then you obviously travel around the world. The winners or the, the better golfers are traveling all over the world, I'm imagining, playing. Yes. Uh, uh, one of our uh, past champions, Daniel Slubbard, has won the European Championship uh, by eight shots, that, uh, the one tournament he played in Sweden. Um, and uh, so our players can re- really hold their own against the best in the world. Good, that's really good Good to know that. That's fantastic. But And just one last question, Eugene. You mentioned that, that you did run these holiday clubs in Cape Town. I know that you're up in Johannesburg. Where do all these things take place? I mean, people around the country listening and I'm thinking, gosh, this sounds amazing. But where are all these clinics happening? We are focused uh, in, the, in the bigger centres, KZN, Durban, Peter Maritzburg in that area, then uh, up in Joburg, Wuhating is uh, in Johannesburg and Centurion. Uh, we also uh, go out to, to, to uh, Soshanguve, there's some uh, clinics there as well. And then uh, 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 Port Elizabeth, George, down to, to the Western Cape. Uh, we've got, obviously, as I said, a big footprint in the Western Cape. So it's pretty much around, you are spread out around the country. So hopefully people, if they want to find out more, you're not that too far away from people if they're looking for you. Absolutely. And all that information is on the website, Eugene. They can find out where you are and they can be able to contact you via the website as well. Yes, our website is www.sadga.co.za. Well, I think you guys are doing an amazing job and all strength to you and long may you continue. And uh, are are you playing in the Open? No, no, I don't play. I'm, I'm on the administration side of things. Well, I leave it to the youngsters to, <laughs> to battle it out. Well, I wish you luck with all the organisation. I'm sure it isn't an easy thing to do. But uh, have fun and I hope all goes well. And thank you very much indeed for joining me on the show this evening. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks, we Eugene. Thanks. Good night to you. Good night. Eugene Forster is CEO of the South African Disabled Golf Association. For more information, as he said, there is a website. You can have a look. It's www.sadga.com. The Disability Report with Karen Key.
Shum Bashaba is not your usual horse program. It's a not-for-profit community organization that focuses on how horses can positively impact people and help to change lives for the better. So much so that they have two of their riders heading off to Los Angeles in July to compete in the 2015 Special Olympics World Summer Games. Renee Rasmus is a coach at Shumbashaba and she will also be accompanying the riders to the Olympics. Renee, good evening. Welcome to the show. Um, thank you. This is amazing, Hi, amazing opportunity. Gosh, going off to the Olympics, what a thrill. I mean, that's, that's yes, amazing. Yes, and we'll, we'll chat more about that in a moment, but, but I want you just to tell the listeners a little bit about Shumbashaba. It's got an amazing backstory in that it wasn't really meant to be as big and as impressive and, and influential as it is now. It started off with one woman, I think, and one horse. Exactly. Um, Sharon Boyce started off with her, uh, what was in her driving carriage horses, and um, yeah, it just grew from there, and it's become quite a, quite a big, different, yeah, <laughs> exciting and and making a huge Lots difference. Mm. Now you have yeah. it's, it's called the Shumbashaba Horses Helping People Programs, and they that's yes. actually recognised locally and internationally. I mean, this is gained international recognition for what you're doing there. Tell me a little bit about the training that you do and the children that you are helping there. Um, we have a variety of children and training that we do. So we go from physically um, handicapped, so they come for, for riding and if you start as a sort of a physio um, riding session, which is called hippotherapy, and they start with a pad, and from there, as they progress or they get to a stage where they want to take on riding as a sport and skill, then um, we supply that for them so they want to compete with for either para dressage or now as we've got a team going to the Special Olympics. And then we also have a program, sort of a ground-based program, which doesn't involve riding but involves being with the horses in a in a space, and that's for, for any kind of children, adults, anybody with special needs or just wanting to, you know, improve themselves. And so we've got kids, we're very close to Dipslet and um, we do a lot of um, uh, activities for kids, disadvantaged kids, you know, which probably would never have an opportunity to be with a horse, let alone ride or, you know, just work with them. So, and we literally have kids coming off the street, but we never know how many we're going to have on a day. Um, and they just they just arrive, so it's great work. You also it's have something. You also have something called the equine assisted learning education, and that's that's for children at risk, and that's for all yes. sorts of that. That's for children without disabilities. Yes, that are sort of those those kids in in Dipslert or other townships or or anywhere where they they are at risk of drugs abuse, all those. Um, social things that, that do happen in, in the community. So we allow, we have this program where they come in and they learn life skills. And it's a six-week six program, and the kids, I mean, they, they really thrive and get, get a lot out of it. Um, and it helps them in, in, their, in their future life and progress. So, yeah. Um, it's an amazing yes. range of, of things that you offer because you also offer things like trauma support, victim empowerment and support, addictions, yes. eating disorders. I mean, it's, it's yes. psychotherapy and counselling, basically, using horses as well. Yes, yes, that's exactly. That's, that's the GALA um, program. So that's the base, equine-assisted growth and learning, equine-assisted 
um, psychotherapy. So, yeah, that involves all aspects of support and and therapies for anybody and everybody. So even if you you don't even have to like horses, it's you know you get you get a you get definitely get therapy from it or results from it that um, are life changing. That that's the question. I think everybody's wondering why horses. Um, What what is it about the horses? There's just something about as there's that saying. There's something about a horse, the inside of a horse. Something about a horse that's good for the inside of a man. So you can just a lot of people just come around horses. They have a horses have a in depth sense of kind of what you're feeling before you even know what you're feeling. So um, they can sense fear and excitement and sadness, um, you know, and they react in, in whatever way it is that you respond to them. So if you're excited and have you know you're busy and the horses almost reflect your your manners and your things. So they give a very good um, uh, what's kind of reflection on, on the person themselves. And, um, you know, you just be around them. It either gives you an inner peace. Um, you know, and they just, they're so gentle when it, when it counts. So... Now, the one thing I'm sure you rely on very heavily, um, excuse me, at Shambashaba are volunteers. I'm sure you're needing yes. lots of volunteers yes. all the time. Volunteers, yeah. I mean, that's always, you know, we get a lot of people to volunteer, but they can't, they're not always here. You know, everyone has is busy mm-hmm. and, you know, they come and they can help for um, a couple of months or, or as long as they can. So we're always looking for new volunteers. Um, we have some programs that happen in the morning um, with some of the schools that come. So always to have volunteers to assist and, and help us would be great. Um, yeah, but there's always a shortage, you know. So um, if anybody wants to, <laughs> come and experience outdoors. And even if you don't know horses, we can teach you something or other, I'm sure. I was wondering about that with the children. I mean, because that horse is a very big animal. I mean, were some of them a little apprehensive to start off with, or are they quite relaxed around the horses? Um, some of them are absolutely terrified. They don't touch the horses for at least, um, you know, in the ground, for at least sometimes four to six weeks or up right for the last sort of day. I mean, they can be absolutely terrified. There's something about them. Eventually, they touch them, whether they're hiding behind their friend or they, you know, so it's just that urge to be next to this, as you say, a large animal that um, is not trying to run you over. Or, yes. I mean, that they are. They can, They obviously, they're an animal. They have a mind of their own. Um, but they seem to, they seem to know when you're in need of therapy or in need of a touch, then, then they stand and they're there. So, I mean, and the kids they soon realize um, what's the right way to approach them. And that sort of reflects to them in life, how they deal with people not and animals and, and life in general. So it all it all comes around to, to that. Now, I mentioned that you were a coach at Shambashaba. Now, are you going yes. off with the, these two riders off to the Olympics. But tell me what your position as a coach involves at Shambashaba. What are you doing there? So I um, I'm basically manage the horses and a coach and important skill side of Shumbashava. So Sharon Boyce does the um, hypotherapy 
and most of the Igala um, equine assisted programs. Um, I do I do do that as well. But my my main go my main job or duty is the coaching of the kids for sport and skill. So um, I get them ready to compete at shows or just you know to get them proficient in in riding, steering, doing the basics of riding, being able to jump and you know, enjoy it. And then, so. Now, you've been also been involved with several uni- unified sports days. Now, tell me a little bit about that, because from that is how you ended up getting these two youngsters off to the Olympics. Yes. So, unified sports days, Special Olympics Unified Sports Day, we have, I think there's four, four sporting codes on the same property. So, we have soccer, volleyball, um, bocce, which is a kind of bowls, and equestrian. So it's all happening at the same time. So it's a unified sports day. And it involves um, um, disabled kids as well as um, able-bodied. So um, able-bodied riders as well. So it's a unified sports day. Um, we did, for the selection of those athletes going to um, to the USA, to Special Olympics, they did a specialized um, Special Olympics equestrian event where they were selected. There's a whole uh, from around the provinces came to compete, and then they were they were chosen from that. But yeah, the Unified Sports Day is a much more sort of bigger, more sporting codes, and it's a very festive, very exciting day for everybody. So. Now, Timber and Maria, I think they're both from Dipslurt, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they're from Dipslurt. And they both live. Uh, Maria's moved to Tembisa, but she's still um, to Bonalaserbi School, which is in Dipstrat, um, school. Now, so they have- they're off on the 19th of July to America. There's yes. 7,000 or more than 7,000 Special Olympics athletes from 170 nations competing in 21 Olympic type sports. I mean, these two youngsters are going to literally, I mean, I would be blown away if I arrived at something like that. I mean, I'm just sort of imagining myself arriving and thinking, oh my goodness me, you know, and for them, it's going to be absolutely mind-blowing. It's going to be so, so you're right, mind-blowing, exciting and challenging, you know, to go, let alone they go in an aeroplane for mm. who knows how many hours yes. they get there in a strange, strange country and um, it's amazing. I mean, the people, you go there a week before and you go to a host town and they take you all around and they spoil you rotten and then you go to the Olympics and basically, I mean, for a <clears throat> rider like, like me, it's easy enough to go and ride a strange horse and, you know, you can go, easy but for for these kids they have I think two two and a half hours to try out a, a borrowed horse that they've never sat on before and then they that's like two days before and then they must go and compete on this horse so for them sure. and then in this huge arena indoor arena with crowds so it will be very exciting for them and yeah we can only hope that they they enjoy it and they do the best that they can it'll be something they will remember for the rest of their lives oh, how are you preparing them for this, though, Renee? I mean, because it must take quite a lot of preparation to get them um, up yes. to speed and, and know what to expect once they get there. Yes. So at the moment, they they do two lessons two lessons a week, um, and then closer to time, we'll probably get them to do a bit more. But in the meantime, we practice kind of the tests that they're going to do, the kind of thing that they need to do, and obviously the terminology, because when you get to America. 
as a few wordings, that's, that's a little bit different. So we just have to make sure that they you know over the loudspeakers. Because some of the coach can't stand in the middle of the competition arena. We have to sit on the side and quiet, you know. So the kids basically have to get on with the with the thing, and and we can only hope that they they will enjoy it. That's at the end of the day, that's that's the most important thing. They must so have... they they must enjoy it. So yeah. at at home, we just we do the tests, what we think they're going to do, so we can give them a little. Um, different tests to do each week and then close to the time we'll push them a little bit harder and see see how they do. So. They must have had some thoughts about all of this. What are they saying? <laughs> <laughs> I think Kemba asks me every week, you know, is Sparky going? So that's the horse that he rides. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, Sparky can't go in the aeroplane. <laughs> like, oh, okay, so we're going to ride a different horse, so he? Yes, we're going to ride a different horse. So every week he keeps checking that oh, sure. you know, it's, it's still the same. Maybe you've <laughs> made a plan since last week. Maybe yeah. you made a plan since last time he asked yes. you. You know. So, so they know something really exciting is happening. I don't think they quite know the full extent of it, but um, yeah, I think it's it'll be okay. I hope. Are you taking other? Are, they, are you just just you and the two of them? Are you taking other chaperones with you, or how's it working? Um, no, it's just. Well, obviously we go as a team mm. or other coaches in other disciplines and that. And we all, um, I was at the Special Olympics in 1999 in South, South Carolina. And it was the whole, the whole delegation is really good. I mean, we, we work together and we look after each other's athletes. You know, there's a lot of us. There's over a hundred just in the South Africa that goes. So, and I, I'm not sure exactly the number of coaches, but getting the, the the athletes outnumber the coaches. So, yeah, it, it all becomes a big family, and we go and we help each other, and, yeah. It's exciting well, for you, too. I was asking about the children, but, I mean, you must be just as excited as them going oh, over yeah. for this. Oh, yeah, Los Angeles. I've always yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> very exciting. I was just yes. about to ask you yes. if you couldn't hide me in your suitcase, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I'm sure we could. You, you need rather a large suitcase, but I'm sure I could yes, fit in there with all your so. stuff. And then I, I can pop so. over. <laughs> what an experience, though. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And yes, gosh, over yes, 7,000 yes. athletes from yeah. 170 countries. I mean, there's going to be loads and loads of you. And, you know, I'm. I'm hoping that you guys are going to come back with a medal. I'd love to to speak with you when you come back and find out how you oh, did. Well, well, absolutely. Let you, let you know how it was. And, yeah, maybe Maria and Timber can. That would be fantastic. How, how it was for them. But yeah. the point is, it's not all about the medals. It's about the competition, it's, about enjoying themselves and the yeah. experience, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, so, absolutely. Regardless of, yeah, yeah, regardless of what it. they come back with, it's the fact that they went and that they competed. And that, I think, is the bottom line. So, yes, yes. Renee, I wish you and your athletes all the success in the world. And basically, I think the bottom line, have an absolute blast. Really enjoy Thank yourselves. You. And I'll be very Thank envious of thinking of you sitting in Los Angeles, but have great time enjoy and hopefully speak to you when you come back yes yes we'll we'll, we'll let you know how it goes please do thank Thanks, you so guys. much and thank wish, you we much. wish Temba and maria lots of luck as well i will thank and you, you very and much see if you can make a plan about sparty getting on the plane i, I will have to try <laughs> <laughs> thanks so, thanks so much renee have a good evening okay bye-bye thank you bye, bye. renee erasmus is a coach at shumba shaba and she will also as we've been chatting about be accompanying the riders maria and temba to the olympics you can look out for more information on Shumba Shaba and the work that they do by looking at the website. It's shumbashaba.co.za.
And that's it for the Disability Report. Next Tuesday, the 14th of April, I'll be back with our monthly phone-in when we'll be talking about crime and stress and how this impacts our everyday life. And my guest next week will be Glynis Depper, and she's the chair lady of Lifeline. Well, if you need any information about something you've heard on the show this evening, and there have been lots of email, website addresses and contact numbers and all sorts of fabulous things, you can take a look at the Facebook page, Disability on SAFM, or email me directly on disability at safm.com. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me. But right now, it's time for Stephen Kirker and some late night music. Hello, Stephen.